everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio by my colleague TJ Kitt. Hi, TJ. Hello, Sam. So, listeners, the question we want to have TJ's help in answering today is what value does a B2B customer health assessment provide, and how would you go about starting to create one? So, TJ, let's start at the top. What is a customer health assessment? What is sort of the problem that this is solving for firms? In very simple terms, it is an expression of what is valuable about the experience that you're delivering. So, a health assessment begins with a hypothesis that there are things in the experience that you have built for a client that are essential to that client actually getting value out of it, business value or something of that nature. And so what the health assessment attempts to do is, starting from that hypothesis of what is valuable, work backward towards the things that would indicate that the client is actually getting the value that you promised to them. Yeah, that's a good point that you have to know what they value to know if it's a healthy relationship because otherwise it's healthy as compared to what? Exactly. The challenge with that is companies often struggle to know what is valuable about the thing that they're selling. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that many companies don't actually know what they sell their clients. And what I mean by that is they know the product, they know the features, they know the functions, they know the capabilities of what they've sold. But if you were to pin them down and ask them what that actually does for somebody, you know, what that does for their business, what that does for them personally, they'll be hard pressed to tell you. And the reason why I know that is because I've asked people that (laughs) on multiple occasions and gotten recitations of the features list that they have in their particular product. Hello, are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's a great point, right? It's it's the the features and functions. Again, another assumption. We assume they're providing some value to you, but if we can't articulate that, we're not really in a position to say what is the critical need that our product helps you meet. What are your business goals or what are your customers' goals that this is supporting and enabling? Exactly. And so when you take that view... What it actually helps you do is complete the value chain. Mm. So when we talk about the idea of B2B relationships, you know, it's broken down into two basic parts. You have the pre-sale kind of introduction and establishment of business goals, stakeholders, responsibilities, things of that nature. And then you have the post-sale, we've bought this thing, now someone has to figure out how to use it in our business in order to achieve what it is that we need to achieve as a business. Which is where we see lots and lots of customer success teams springing up, right? Right. And that's because the transition between that pre and the post-sale period is fraught with peril. And that's <laughs> and that's because you're basically shuttling in and out um, different people. Yeah. You know, on the seller side, you're transitioning away from the sales team to the people who implement and onboard, transitioning to the product people, you're transitioning to the support people. And there's a lot less coordination. And on the customer side, the buyer side, you're transitioning to people who are using it and administering your product. And so there's this possibility that in that transition, a lot of the insight about what is valuable in this experience is being lost. And so when you're putting into place a health assessment is another tool that you can use as a way of tracking that notion of value because you have baked into the idea of a health assessment what it is that customers generally see as valuable in the experience and you are managing toward that by looking at the indicators of value that are part of that assessment. Okay, so is this true to say to have a high-functioning customer success function, you really need one of these customer health assessments in place to know if the success team is working or not? I would say that's true. Okay. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. It's sort of, if we're going to have this whole 
part of our organization around creating these healthy customer relationships where they're getting value from our product, they're successful, you better know whether they're doing that, right? It's sort of, you have to have the measurement in place. Right. And I would say beyond that, it is something that is applied primarily in the customer success setting. But I think there is general value in understanding whether or not the customer relationship is healthy. The way that I usually start conversations around this is a healthy customer is a loyal customer. But I think outside of, say, your client organization going out of business, usually if you are delivering value through a good experience, you can, at a minimum, count on the customer maintaining their relationship. But so if a healthy customer is a loyal customer, why are the measures of loyalty not enough to know if they're healthy? It's because the measures of loyalty don't necessarily give you direction as to what to do to maintain that healthiness. So how a health assessment is designed is usually around several different data streams that are meant to indicate the different elements of that health that the customer has. So the way that we've broken it down in our reporting on this is there are three general types of data or information that companies look at. One is objective measures. So those are the things that are countable. Yeah, so how long was the call? How long was the call? How long did it take to onboard the client? Got it. The second would be your subjective measures. And so this is things like direct customer feedback, that's things like the customer success manager or account manager's opinion of the relationship. But basically these are people's opinions of how things are going. And then the third thing that is often used as an overlay are marketplace measures. So how is the customer faring competitively? Are the economic conditions favorable for this relationship to continue? Has the client indicated that you know they're struggling in any way, shape, or form against you know, competitive sets out there in the marketplace? Things of that nature that kind of give you a good sense of whether the strength of the relationship alone is going to dictate whether or not the client renews or strengthens the relationship through enrichment, things of that nature. So then do you roll all of those different measures or data streams into a good to go or like red alert? What does this look like? Is there a scorecard? Uh, Yes, to all of that. (laughs) Okay. Yes, Um, yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, So the way that this has been presented in many cases is as a scorecard that has different weights to it. Usually there's you know, kind of some combination of subjective and objective measures. Uh, the reason why you include both is because they kind of act as counterweights to each other. You don't want to blindly follow the objective measurements down different roads because that doesn't provide you context. And so the context comes from some of the subjective measures that we've talked about. And similarly, you don't overly rely on the subjective measurements because that can lead you into places of complacency. So you have the two set in opposition. Sometimes you'll wait the subjective measures 50%, objective measures 50%. If you feel that your objective measures are too robotic, you may put your finger on the scale a little bit more on the objective side. But essentially the position is that you want to create a scorecard that takes into account all of those factors. Now, the data presentment is usually on some sort of data dashboard that allows for easy visualization. So the stoplight analogy is usually Mm -hmm. there, red, yellow, green. So if an account begins to trend red because different elements of the assessment are trending red, then that gives a sense of what the customer success manager or account manager or whomever um, should be doing and uh, to, to get the client back on the happy path, essentially. If it's yellow, that may be because you are beginning to pull the client out of dire straits or 
things may be trending back towards a poor direction because there may be some level of ambivalence on the client's part. So that then tells the person who's monitoring it that we should be doing more monitoring of this client, more outreach, um, asking about potential problems that are materializing, things of that nature. And then if it's green, that doesn't mean that there are no problems. It just means that vis-a-vis the beacon that you're looking at, whether that's churn or enrichment or revenue growth or whatever, that the client is performing or behaving in a way that would indicate that none of those things are at risk. It also could indicate for the person who's watching that measurement that this is an opportunity for greater enrichment in the account because the customer is getting value. And so there are opportunities materializing here. Okay. So who's the audience internally for this? How do you see organizations actually making use of their customer health assessments? It can be used by anyone in the organization, really, because it's trying to give the organization information about how the business is performing. Yeah. So you'll have some companies that use health assessments in conjunction with conversations with account managers and success managers as a way of doing some forecasting on renewals and and potential booking. Um, So we've seen that in companies like Infogix. Other companies are using it as a way of looking at sales team performance. Other companies still are using it as a way of evaluating customer success managers and helping the success managers manage their accounts. So there are a range of of entities within a business that can use this sort of assessment as long as you are interested in understanding how your clients are experiencing the products and services that you're delivering and understanding how those potentially affect the bigger things that you're gold on. Okay, so I think we know why we would develop one. We know what goes into it. We know how to sort of make it useful, you know, to a lay audience to quickly get information from it and who would consume it. So I think the listener now is excited to rush out and create their customer health assessment. How do they do that? How do you build one of these? The first thing to note is that you don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good. This is a highly experimental tool. What you don't want is to spend a year trying to create the perfect assessment because, frankly, you won't know what the perfect assessment (laughs) is until you've created a minimally viable one and tested it and see how the the measure, the, the model performs against actual customers. Generally good advice and even better when this is there's no accepted form yet. Exactly. Right? There's only a this is starting to emerge as something companies do. Exactly. So because this is a such a data intensive technology or a data intensive model for companies to use, you'll want to have an understanding of what is essential to the business. You want to have that hypothesis ahead of time because essentially what you're doing is you're going to be going out and looking for things that are going to help you validate that hypothesis of what is essential Mm -hmm. to the customer experience. Once you have done that, once you've identified the thing that you think is essential about the experience or the things that you think are essential about the experience, then you want to ask yourself, what data is available to me? So this is the notion of measuring what's convenient, which is the starting point of most every customer health assessment that we've looked at. You basically look for the things that you can access and you pull those into your model as a way of just having something that you can begin throwing data and throwing customers against to see if they behave in the way that you expect when given your hypothesis about what's valuable and what that then indicates for the long-term customer health. Once you've kind of winnowed down what sort of data you think is going to be accessible to you, then you'll want to ask the question of as we mature this over time, 
what sort of data would we like to have as we grow this assessment? Are there things that we can be looking at that we don't necessarily capture in our systems currently or that was difficult for us to get at the first time around? So now we want to go back and with the assessment that we built, use that as a proof of concept to get more buy-in to create more connectors to different data repositories. I really like that uh, dynamic that what are the things that matter to the customers so that we need to have a measure of to know they're a healthy customer or not. What do we have the best proxies for today in the forms of data? That implies so we can get started. And then what would be better ways of assessing those elements of health uh, with the customer relationship, which again implies, you've been saying you should do throughout, so you can make this better and better over time. Right. To get that minimum viable product, where do we have off-the-shelf data streams that will point us generally in the right direction and then keep thinking about how would we be better at measuring the health of this aspect of what matters to the customer? Right. So I think that last part is is key there, not to be wedded to or fall in love with initially, you know, any one particular health <laughs> assessment. Give it time to grow, give it time to change, particularly as the technology that helps companies do health assessments improve. So if you you do involve yourself with a customer success vendor like a Gainsight or a Tatango, you know, understand that, you know, their algorithms are improving, that yeah. their reliance on things like artificial intelligence are improving, so that you will be able to use more data and more importantly, leverage more variables in the health assessment in a way that doesn't become overwhelming for the person who has to do something about it. The challenge today is that people often constrain their health assessments to just a few variables because ultimately someone has to do something about the <laughs> about the information that you're given. If the client is trending poorly, if I had to look through 300 variables to figure out what exactly it is that's, that's leading to that, that's going to be much more difficult to do than if I'm just looking at eight variables. So as the technology improves to support the evaluation of these assessments, then you'll be able to use more variables and the models should be become more predictive as you know that becomes available in the marketplace. That's great. That makes sense. And again, start with a level that is you can actually act on because there's people involved and they know what to do. And maybe it's people on your team so you can make them do it. And then start to scale up from there and get a more sophisticated understanding of the customer's health. All right. Well, thank you, TJ, for joining us and walking through uh, the detail about customer health assessments. Listeners will post a link to a related piece of research TJ has written on this. So you can take a look and there's some great examples in there and some nice graphics to use to get started with your own customer health assessment. And we'll talk to you all next week on CXCast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality. <laughs>